What if every time you went out, you could cash in? Now with the Capital One Saver Card, you earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment. Like learning more about each other on your first date. You play the oboe. Or discovering they can't hit the high notes at your favorite karaoke bar. Oh, yeah! No matter your reason for going out, now you have four more. Introducing the new Saver Card from Capital One. Earn 4% on dining and 4% on entertainment. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Capital One Bank, USANA. What are we going to do as a church? Our souls need to wake up. We need to respond to the gospel of Jesus. He said, go into the world. We don't want to deal with reality, Christian. We don't even want to deal with reality even though we've been saved from this place. I'm calling on you today in the name of Jesus to rise up to the call of God. Christ is coming back soon. If I start telling people about hell, I might just scare them off. Where are you going to scare them off to? Hell number two? People stop and think about it. If hell really exists, and it does, I didn't say that Jesus did, then don't you think people need to know about it? Can't you at least give them a fighting chance? Are you just going to sit there and let them burn? Uh, Turn to somebody and say, it is time to get motivated. Okay, because folks, we need to get motivated in these last days, and we're going to continue on our theme that we started last week. But now we're going to see that because the church has slid on this issue, and the issue we dealt with last week was the days of Lot. What happened in the days of Lot? Homosexual behavior and things. Because we have slid, and folks, now we're paying the price. It's gone into stage two, and now what you and I believe in, basic biblical morals, is now be considered a hate crime, and we need to be hauled off away for it. We have dug our own grave as the American church, folks, and so we need to get motivated, and we need to speak up in love while we still have the freedom to do so. Amen? Amen. All righty. Maybe this is why Orson's not here today. But anyway, check this out. How many of you guys realize that Orson, by the way, Orson Kingham, Donnie, you know this, uh, he is the absolute most incredible, fantastic mechanic on the planet. Have you noticed that? This guy can fix anything, right? And uh, in fact, apparently he's so good that uh, one day, apparently recently, John, uh, he uh, found this old beat-up moped. Remember those things? Going about three miles an hour, right? So Orson found a beat-up old moped, and being the master mechanic and all, he decides he's going to fix it up, right? So he gets that thing running again, and so he goes over here somewhere near Lake Mead over here and to get some fresh gas in the tank there. And guess who he sees there, John? You! <laughs> Can you believe it? John Gibson, that's right. And John, of course, is in his uh, hot rod red uh, pickup truck there, right? So Orson, he's a car buff and all, and so he's checking out John's, you know, manly hot rod man trucker truck thing, right? You know what I'm saying? And uh, so he's checking it out, and, and he asked John if he could check out the engine. So John pops the engine up, and Orson's got his head in there. He's looking inside the engine. Wow, this is incredible. So while Orson's checking out the engine, John goes into the store to pay for the gas and all and stuff. And when he comes back, he just simply shuts the hood and starts up his manly truck. Well, John, as he's pulling out of the gas station, uh, he decides to give Orson a bit of a show. You know what I'm saying? You know, he's feeling pretty confident about his truck, and he, we'll see who's the master mechanic, right? And uh, so John, he actually punches it, and he raises right out of there at the gas station. But all of a sudden, get this, John looks in his rearview mirror, and he sees Orson is about ready to pass him on the moped. Yeah. And so John, he hits the gas even more, and Orson just flew right on by on that moped. John couldn't believe it. Uh, it was just like uh, he was on blocks, right? And so then to John's amazement, here comes Orson the other way again, right? And so, so, so John, he's sitting there, well, he must just be toying with me, right? And so John, he really punches it this time. He's going like 100 miles an hour, and all of a sudden, here comes Orson. He just flies right by John, right? 
In fact, about a half a mile uh, down the road, uh, John notices, here comes Orson the other way again, except this time he's in John's lane. And so all of a sudden, he crashes into John's truck, and, and he, John grabs his cell phone, and he calls for help, and he goes by Orson's side, and, and he's sitting there, and all of a sudden, John goes, hey, Orson, what in the world did you do to make that moped go so fast? And Orson replied, John, I didn't do anything to that moped. When you closed the hood on your truck at the gas station, you caught my suspenders. A couple of you people just got that. <laughs> Including Donna and Scott. Praise God. Had to help that out. But uh, wow, interesting. I tell you, how many guys would say John needs to pay attention to his surroundings a little bit better? You know what I'm saying? Hello, hello. It could cause some hurt, some pain, especially Orson. I hope that's not why he's not here today. But anyway, seriously, uh, of all Sundays. <laughs> But did you know that John Gibson, apparently, is not the only one who's not paying attention to their surroundings and is causing some havoc, okay? Did you know the Bible, believe it or not, said in the last days, the whole planet is not going to pay attention to some very important details, and that is this. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now, or you are headed for some serious pain. And that pain is called the seven-year tribulation. They are headed for the worst wreck of all time. The Bible says, speaking of that period, that it is a horrible time for him. It's not a joke. God's wrath is going to be poured out on this wicked and rebellious planet. Jesus said it's going to be the worst time in the history of mankind. If God didn't shorten that time frame, the entire human race would be wiped out. Okay, but praise God because he loves us. He's been telling us for 2,000 years or more. Okay, depending on the prophecy, he's been warning us in love when things are getting close. We don't know the exact day. We don't know the exact hour, but we know when the tribulation is getting near and certainly the rapture of the church, which happens prior, is getting close, okay? So in order to keep you and I here at sunrise from experiencing the ultimate bad day of being left behind, even worse than John getting beat by Orson on a moped, we're going to continue our study. That's right, the final countdown update, okay? And we've already seen the first seven updates on our study, and that was the Jewish people, the Antichrist, modern technology, worldwide upheaval, the rise of falsehood, the rise of wickedness. Anybody been paying attention to the news lately? Every single day, there was something going on. That should be in the Bible somewhere. Oh, it was. We saw that, Joey, in the rise of wickedness. And also, the last uh, three times, the rise of apostasy. And what we saw is that God lovingly foretold you and I, how do you know you're living the last days? Not only when you see the world going down the tubes, but when you see the church, the professing church, going down the tubes as well, you better wake up. You're in the last days. And we saw that's happening because there's a massive flood of fake, phony pastors behind the pulpit. The church is uh, turning away from even the basic truths of Christianity. It's being encouraged by an apostate media and apostate music, and it's culminated into what we saw last week, into an apostate behavior where it's getting so bad now, the church is actually saying that homosexuality is not a sin and that those who actually oppose it and stand on what the Scripture says about that are the real sinners. That's how twisted it has become. Now, the significance was that Jesus said two things you need to be on the lookout for, not just as it was in the days of Noah, but as it was in the days of Lot. What's going to happen when you see those two societies come back? So shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. This is all indicators, folks, not just of the apostasy, but certainly that Jesus is right around the corner. Anybody practicing this morning? Okay, <laughs> rapture practice, okay? But that's not all. So I'm still preaching on this Jim Jubinville, so guess what? There's got to be more. That's right, Jim, there's got to be more. And there is. The eighth update is the rise of a one-world religion. A one-world religion is coming to this planet, folks, and I would say it's a lot sooner than most people realize. Okay, the Bible clearly says, folks, all the religions on the planet are going to come under the head of one guy, 
That guy is uh, going to be a guy you don't want to chum up with. He's called the Antichrist. And he's going to have this buddy. He's going to have a cohort, and he is called the false prophet. Okay, and believe it or not, all these dead, fake, phony, apostate Christians in the church today that we've been seeing the last several weeks, because again, I'll say it again, going to a church service does not save you any more than sitting in a barn makes you a cow. Isn't that a much better version? I like that than that chicken one. That's right. All right? You've got to be born again. So just because you go to a church service, and that's what we're seeing, folks, these fake, phony, apostate Christians, okay, they're going to go right along with this one world religion that is coming to the planet very soon. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. If you find the dictionary, what do you do? Hang your left. Revelation 13. Now, verses 3 through 9. Is the Bible really going to create this global religion? And is it really going to be centered around this guy, the Antichrist? Well, let's, you know, see what God has to say about that. I think so, but uh, let's, let's read on there. Uh, verse 3 is where we're going to start in chapter 13. And here's what it says. Now, one of the heads of the beast, who's the beast? That's the Antichrist, okay, according to the context. One of the heads of the beast of the Antichrist seemed to have this fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. And so because of that, it's like, whoa, he came back. And so the whole world was astonished, and they followed the beast, the Antichrist. In fact, men worshiped the dragon, that's Satan, defined by the context, because he had given authority to the beast, okay? And they also, what is it? What's the word there? Worshiped. Pay attention, folks. Worship. It's not just showing your allegiance or made an economic tie with. It's worship. Okay? And they worshiped uh, the dragon because they gave authority to the beast. They also worshiped the beast and asked, man, who was like the beast, the Antichrist? Who can make war against this guy? And then the beast or the Antichrist was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. Okay? He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He also was given power to make war against the saints. Now, that's not you and I right now, the born-again evangelical Christian. We're going at the rapture. The saints he's talking about here is the tribulation saints, which is very important to understand because uh, uh, we know that the gospel will still go forth during the seven-year tribulation. You got the two witnesses, okay, as a source. You got the 144,000 male Jewish witnesses that also proclaim the gospel. You have the angel that flies with the eternal gospel, as Revelation records for us, so people can still get saved during the seven-year tribulation. The point for you and I reading this here today is you should have gotten saved now. That's the whole urgency of the matter, okay? But there are people who are going to get saved, Lord willing, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see that that's on the rise again. These people, most of them, are going to become martyrs. And specifically, they're going to be decapitated. We don't see that coming back, do we? Yeah, you want to be here for the next couple of weeks. But let's take a look. So that's what's going on. War against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Now, how many guys would say that's probably the whole planet? Okay, and in case you doubt, keep reading. Uh, all inhabitants, I love that, of the earth will what? Worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. I love this. He who has an ear, let him hear. Can I translate that for you? You better pay attention. Okay? You better pay attention specifically to what you just read. The Bible clearly says in the last days there's coming a day, believe it or not, when all the inhabitants of the earth are going to get busy, and they're going to get busy worshiping the actual Antichrist himself. And it's going to be this unified world religion, and it's actually going to be inspired by the dragon or Satan. It's going to be a satanic one world religion. Now, the question for you and I today, we don't know the day nor the hour, 
But if this happens during the seven-year tribulation, according to the Bible, then how much closer is the rapture of the church which takes place prior, right? We don't know the day nor the hour, but do we see any signs of this? Is the point for you and I today. Could our world really anytime soon be deceived into creating a global religion that is actually satanically inspired? Uh, yeah, okay, and that's what we're going to deal with, Lord willing, in the next couple of weeks. The first sign uh, that we are headed for a one-world religion, folks, right now as we sit here in this sanctuary is because there's a worldwide assault on you and I, the true, and I'll use that phrase, the true Christian. Because that phrase has become generic nowadays, right? People say, oh, I believe in God. Well, what God? The God of the chair? You as God? What? You know, just because you say, I believe in God, that doesn't mean anything, by and large. Say, oh, I'm a Christian because somehow I'm American, and I no, that doesn't make you a Christian by being born in America. The true Christian is the one who's getting assaulted, okay? And it makes total sense. You're going, well, why, why would that happen? Well, again, put yourself in the Antichrist shoes, right? Your goal, your desire is to create this global religion, right? But obviously, logically, not everybody's going to agree, right? How many of you guys realize that not everybody agrees? See, some of you aren't raised your hand, you don't agree with me, so you prove my point, all right? Right? You don't agree. So some people are not going to agree with this guy. All right? So if he's antichrist, he's going to create this global religion, then what's he going to do? He's got to, at some point, get rid of any and all dissenters who won't go along with this program. Right? Take him out. Well, believe it or not, that's exactly what Jesus said. For true followers of him, the whole world is going to hate your guts. They want to kill you during the seven-year tribulation. Matthew 24, verse 3 through 10, as Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, they said, when is this going to happen? What's going to be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And we've already dealt with these first ones here. Jesus answered, first of all, watch out that nobody what? Deceives you. For many are going to come in my name claiming I am the Christ. And deceive nobody. Unfortunately, many, because they're getting away from the scripture. Two, he says, you're also going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. You're just getting into the signs there. But also, nations are going to rise against nation. Kingdoms going to rise against kingdom. There's going to be famines. There's going to be earthquakes in various places, and all these things are the beginning of birth pains. In other words, you ain't seen nothing yet. Okay? Just signs that you're getting close, as bad as it is. Then, pay attention, you will be handed over to be persecuted and what? Put to death and you will be hated by how many of the planet? All nations because of who? Who's me? Jesus. At that time, I love this, at that time, many will turn away from the faith, and they will betray and actually hate each other. Now, that's wild. There's two things that are going on here, folks. Uh, Jesus, number one, says, believe it or not, okay, one day the whole planet is going to hate followers of him. The whole planet is going to hate not followers of Buddha, not followers of Confucius. He, the whole world's going to hate followers of Jesus, even to the point where they want to kill you, right? Now, that's pretty creepy enough, as it is. But notice what he says where some of this resistance is going to come from. People who claim to be in the faith will actually betray and turn in and hate those who really belong to the faith. In other words, the picture is there's going to be a mixture of wheat and tares, sheep and goats. There's going to be people in the pew, so to speak, sitting right next to a true born-again Christian, and they're going to turn them in. They're going to betray them. Right? Now, here's what's wild. I've said this for many years, folks. You better be careful of the person sitting next to you in the pew. 
because they could one day be the death of you. They could turn you into the authority. See, that's what Jesus is talking about here. Now, again, what's interesting, we saw before, just going to a church service doesn't make you a Christian. You've got to be born again, right? Right? This is actually the same premise, if you know your even recent history, church history, that happened to the underground church in Europe. It's the same tactic that I believe that Jesus is pointing about here in the last days. And if you know that, in the underground church, when communism came in, when they first came in, here's how they took over the church. When they first came in, they would tell the churches, oh, no, no, you can have your religious freedom. We're going to let you do what you want to do. You know, we've absconded with the government and everything else. But, you know, you, the church, will respect your beliefs, and you can do what you want. But what they actually did is they immediately began to send fake, phony spies into the church who claimed to be Christians and spoke Christianese. This is actually recorded, folks. Read missionary books on it in the whole nine yards, how they took the church over. And what they would do is they would spy on people in the church, literally take down names of people who disagreed with the state. And then one by one, those people who disagreed with the communist state began to disappear. And they kept that procedure up until the church was eradicated of all true Christians. And the only, quote, Christians who were left were the fake ones who went along with communism. Now, folks, not only do I believe that that's what Jesus is saying is going to happen in this text, it's not just they're going to hate you and kill you. How's it going to happen? Not just from the outside, but people who are going to betray you on the inside. I really believe this is just getting started here in America. Okay? And what we're going to talk about the next couple weeks is how they're doing it. Okay? They're using a couple different wedges or excuses, if you will, to get rid of you and I, the Christian. Because what's happening to the church right now, folks, is Christianity, true evangelical Christianity, is being eradicated and it's being replaced. We're being replaced with the fake, phony church who will go along with this one world religion. Now, two ways that I see that they're doing this as we speak, it's just starting to get ramped up here in America, okay, is two excuses. One is the homosexual issue, a moral issue. The second one, Lord willing, we'll deal with next week, Uh, is the pluralism issue that all religions lead to heaven. No, and Lord willing, we'll get to that next week. That's the second excuse, okay? We have the audacity to say that Jesus is the only way, and therefore we're a dangerous terrorist and we need to be gotten rid of. Okay, that that again, that's next week. But this week, I want to still work with the first one, and I believe this is the wedge to start rounding up Christians, saying that we are dangerous, that we are a threat, and we need to be hauled off and taken away with jail. And that's the homosexual issue. And I don't say that with uh, loosely. Folks, I'm here to tell you it's already happening. The homosexual issue, we have dug ourselves a grave for the last 20 years because we've slid on this biblical issue. It's not about equality. It's not even about equality of a redefinition of marriage. It's about silencing the church and getting rid of true Christians. And by the way, not just pastors, any Christian who would dare disagree with this immoral issue. Here's what's going on. Let's take a look. When do we want equality? When do we want it now? When do we want equality? We've been hearing about it for months, but the battle for marriage isn't about equality. By trampling on marriage, homosexual activists want to reshape the culture into something we won't even recognize. But this battle isn't about marriage. It's about driving the homosexual flag into yet another segment of society and then using it as a club to silence all dissent, to label anyone who disagrees as a hater, 
just like someone visited the Family Research Council after the Southern Poverty Law Center slapped them with the hate group label. In his backpack, the police found 50 rounds of ammunition and 15 Chick-fil-A sandwiches. And uh, Floyd Corkins had admitted that uh, he intended to shoot and kill as many possible members of the staff of Family Research Council as he could. And he intended to smear uh, the Chick-fil-A sandwiches in the faces of his victims. Corkins had chosen his target, or multiple targets, by looking at the website of the Southern Poverty Law Center. And because they had designated Family Research Council as a quote-unquote anti-gay hate group and placed us on their hate map, which is still on their website. That, that was how he chose us as a target. Once marriage is redefined, that becomes a foundation for Christian and traditional beliefs to be marginalized. It's no longer speculation. When Massachusetts courts redefined marriage, K-12 homosexual indoctrination intensified, and parental rights became a thing of the past. After the diversity book bag came home, we realized that the intention of the administrators and teachers was to affirm these relationships and gay marriage in the minds of children. When we went into the school, what we requested is parental notification when these issues are brought up by adults within the school and the option to opt our child out of this type of indoctrination. You wish to affirm homosexuality. Um, to our son, you're presenting that which is sin as though it is not to our son, and we cannot allow that. To make a, a long story short, the accommodation they gave was to put me in handcuffs and send me to jail. This battle isn't about marriage, it's about freedom. They were willing to handcuff a father and send him to jail. Um, it was a six by eight cell, uh, filthy. Um, but, you know, I felt I didn't have a choice at that point in order to fulfill my role and duty as a father. If we care about our freedom, we had better use it now. And you wonder why I'm preaching on this now. Because there's an urgency, folks. Notice that guy was not a pastor. Now, I think sometimes as Christians we go, well, too bad for Pastor Billy. <laughs> Any Christian. That's their goal, folks. This is not make believe. Any Christian, if you dare even object, he objected simply, please do not teach my son homosexuality in public school. This is not make believe, folks. It happened here in America that he has said you are going to jail because you have the audacity to disagree on this issue morally and say it was immoral. You are guilty of a hate crime and you're going to jail in America. I'm telling you folks, what I see is that this is the first wedge very well of what Jesus could have been talking about here. People in the church are going to betray each other and hate each other. You disagree, you're not a Christian. I'm going to tell the authorities on you. And I've already got stories of people who are visiting churches on this issue and they're taking names. This is where we're at, folks. I truly believe, people, that this is happening. They're weeding out the true Christians over this issue and replacing them with fake pony apostate Christians. Okay, it's happening right now. And I want to show you today just how far it's starting to permeate all sectors of society to marginalize you and I, the Christian. That's exactly what Hitler did with the Jews, folks. First, he began to marginalize them, right, in all sectors of society, and then he began to round them up. 
okay? And that's what's happening on you and I, the evangelical church here in America, and it's time that we start speaking up, okay? Let's take a look at that. First of all, in the education sector, because you might be out there going, well, okay, Pastor Bill, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out there in society. I'm going to get a good education, okay? And I'm going to use that education to influence people about this danger. Well, you better speak up. If you're going to speak up, you better do it now, because you may never even get that chance. Right now, individual Christians, this is going on right now in our country, individual Christians like these two, Jennifer Keaton, Julia Ward, have been kicked out of graduate school programs because they object to homosexuality. They kicked them out. They didn't, what? In America? Also, Christian schools. You think, well, I'll go to Christian school. They, no, they're also now under fire. One example is this college, Gordon College. They've kept their biblical code since 1889. Okay, But right now, they've been given an ultimatum by the New England Association of Schools Quote, be an accredited institution by accepting homosexual practices or you will lose your school accreditation. This has gone beyond, oh, it's about equality. No, it's not. It's about silencing the church and hauling off Christians. And they're starting to marginalize us in society. One person said, if a secular agency can dictate the religious beliefs and worldviews of a Christian institution of higher learning, then religious freedom in this nation is over. That's what we got to speak up about, folks. How about the business sector? You might say, okay, well, fine. They won't let me get to education. I'm just going to go out there in business, start a business. This is America. I'm going to provide a great godly environment for my employees and influence it. You may not get the chance. Are you paying attention to the news? Right now, a baker is being fined $150,000, is being told, listen to this. This is like shades of Hitler. Being told he needs rehabilitation for his beliefs because he refused to bake a wedding cake for a gay couple. Here's the report. New developments now involving a Lakewood bakery accused of discriminating against a gay couple by refusing to sell them a wedding cake. Well, the state civil rights commission says that bakery did violate discrimination laws. The wedding cakes at Masterpiece Cake Shop are detailed and attractive. The conflict between some customers and the owner has become ugly and complicated. That we closed down the bakery before we would uh, compromise our beliefs. He says he doesn't believe in gay marriage and refused to make this marrying gay couple a wedding cake. We've already been discriminated against there. We were already treated badly. A judge ruled that a business owner cannot refuse service to a customer on the basis of sexual preference. And that decision was upheld today by the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. This commission is also ordering the baker to submit quarterly reports on who he refuses to serve and how he retrains his employees to serve all customers. All because he disagreed on this issue. That's not equality. It's not about equality, folks. It's about silencing the church. Uh, another lady, this is happening all over the United States. Businesses are being attacked. A florist in Washington was, is now being pursued by the state attorney general for declining to make a floral arrangement for a same-sex wedding. This photographer, the lady on the left there in New Mexico, she was fined $6,700 for declining to do a photo shoot for a lesbian wedding. What happened to just, I just, no, I don't want to. Folks, that's going down the tubes. A Christian t-shirt company was just ordered to produce t-shirts to promote a gay pride event in Kentucky, and all employees were ordered to attend diversity training. This is happening right now in our country. And if this senator gets his way, uh, Christians won't even be allowed to own a business. This is Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer from New York. He actually said this, anyone whose religion teaches that the murder of an unborn child is wrong should simply not open a business in America. So a senator is saying, if you don't go along with abortion, murdering children, you shouldn't be, well, what's next? What's around his neck? 
What kind of color? So is it going to go into that moral issue? Folks, I'm telling you, it's happening right now. The government also, and you might think, well, okay, I tell you what, we better hurry up Christians and get involved in the government. I'm not saying don't do so, but just by being way of sarcastic, facetious, whatever you want to call it, uh, I'm just going to go in, I'm going to run for office and hurry up and get, well, you better hurry up now. And you better speak up now because you may not get the chance. In Canada, Christians with biblical values are being blocked from running for office. Canada's Liberal Party recently announced that they will not allow anyone to run in a national election who does not pledge to vote for pro-choice, so you got to go along with murdering children, without exception. They also hinted at making a similar stance on other social issues like homosexuality. So if you don't sign off on those two, you ain't even going to be a part of that political party. In fact, one town in Canada, this is crazy, Nanaimo actually moved to ban Christians who disagree with homosexuality from using their public facilities. This is how far it's gone. Let's take a look at that. Last month, Nanaimo City Council passed a shockingly bigoted motion, a motion to ban Christians who they find, quote, divisive from using publicly funded facilities like the convention center in town. Just days before a Christian convention of sorts was being hosted at that convention center, this city council voted to cancel it. Seriously, they had a debate. Well, debate's the wrong word. It was really a series of shocking rants against Christians that culminated in making Nanaimo's public buildings Christian-free zones. Now stop and think about that statement. Christian-free zone. Anybody familiar with what Hitler did with the Jewish people? Put them in zone. What's next for the Christian? We get a badge? Folks, I'm telling you, this is going on right now. In fact, in Canada, they've also started to ban Christians from the legal realm in case we want, you know, they want to get in there and change these laws. Check this out. Two Canadian law societies have decided to ban Christian-schooled lawyers from practicing law in their provinces. The Law Society of Upper Canada voted 28 to 21 to ban them. And just last week, the Nova Scotia Barrister Society voted 10 to 9 to effectively blacklist Christians from that province too. The ban applies in advance to any and every lawyer who graduates from a law school at BC's Trinity Western University. Trinity? Wait a second, that's the school that Jordan goes to, who's directing the film for us. Yeah, he's very intimate with knowledge. That's his school. Well, why would they want to do that against Trinity? Well, Trinity Western University, folks, is a Christian school, and they have a stance. They have a policy at that school. They believe in the promotion of marriage between a man and a woman. But if you graduate as a lawyer, completely legit from that school, they want to ban you from practicing law. Wow. And even here in the United States, it's getting so bad that a former U.S. military general admitted this. Listen to what he said. Quote, given the violation of religious liberties that have been going on in America, ironically, Christians are being forced to go into the closet. It's now become a policy in America. Don't ask, don't tell if you're a Christian. It used to be that you had to come out of the closet to admit you're a homosexual, but now you have to come out of the closet to admit that you're a Christian in America, okay? In fact, it's also going in the media. You might say, well, I'm going to hop on the media and get people, well, you better do it quick because you may not get the chance much longer. Chris Culliver of the 49ers was recently sent to, listen, a re-education camp prior to the Super Bowl for laughing at homosexuality. And a safety for Miami Dolphins was sent to a re-education camp. Does that freak anybody else besides me, the words there? Re-education camp for tweeting out his displeasure over Michael Sam's slobbery homosexual kiss on draft day. Craig James was fired by Fox Sports Southwest for defending natural marriage in a senatorial campaign 
Uh, and the current administration is pushing for what's called, you better check this one out, the Hate Crime Reporting Act of 2014. Right? If this thing is passed, it would task the National Telecommunications and Information Administration to, quote, begin scouring the internet, TV, and radio for speech it finds threatening. On a national level, they're going to scour every form of media, and if you have any hate speech in there, you're in trouble. The legislation arrived four months after Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty made his comments about homosexuality, which they labeled as, quote, hate speech. And if that legislation is passed, one guy says, we will find ourselves in the same situation as our founding fathers were under British rule, where we will not be allowed to speak out against the government, homosexuals, illegals, other religions, whatever they basically come up with, okay? Websites will be shut down. Churches will be forced to compromise on the word of God or listen, close their doors or listen, go into hiding and meet in underground locations in America. What happened to Europe? Oh, we'll leave you alone. You just let us do this one thing. We'll leave you. No, you won't. Now you're going for the throat. And that's what's happening, folks, on this issue, okay? In fact, it's already infected the church, folks. Uh, you think, well, I'm just going to go in the church and ministry. I'm going to speak. Well, yeah, praise God. More help, the better. But you better do it quick, and you better speak up now. Because right now, thanks to the current administration, uh, quietly, they have been passing dozens of laws, executive orders, in favor of homosexuality. And it's created such an atmosphere of hatred towards biblical Christianity that we are now seeing the day where preachers in the United States of America who preach the gospel, they are predicting will soon watch helplessly as their churches are taken from them and they themselves placed in jail. Okay? In fact, right now, the state of Idaho is telling a Christian minister who owns a wedding chapel to perform same-sex marriages or he will go to jail. This is happening right now. Here's a picture. He and his wife, Donald Knapp, they face a 180-day jail term and a $1,000 fine for each day he continues to refuse to celebrate same-sex wedding. Now, that's a for-profit chapel, but he is a minister. That's only one step away from the church, who is not for profit. Little by little, folks, work at the extremes. Other states are also starting to ban gay conversion therapy. That's their words. Uh, which could take place on church property. Somebody comes up to a deacon or an elder or a pastor and says, hey, I need some help. Could you counsel me on this issue? And if you start telling about Jesus and the freedom that we could have and being set free from sin and he can give us victory over sin, that's going to be against the law. That's called gay conversion therapy, okay? And recently, unless you've been hiding under a rock and don't know about this, with all due respect, Houston recently subpoenaed pastors' sermons, emails, text messages, for anyone opposing this gay agenda. Check this out. It is a shocking story out of Texas where the city of Houston has issued subpoenas demanding that a group of pastors turn over their sermons as part of a battle to enforce an equal rights ordinance in the city. Now, ministers who failed to comply with the subpoena could be held in contempt of court. Pastor, we'll start with you. Uh, did you get one of the letters? Subpoenas? I did. Yes, I did. What did it say? Well, it wanted my sermons and emails and texts and anything that had been said about uh, the Equal Rights Ordinance or homosexuality, or including Mayor Parker, if I'd ever said anything about her. All right, Communication that... with the congregation wanted any of that. And contrary to the media reports, the city is not backing off. The mayor actually tweeted on her page that if the pastors were talking about this issue from the pulpit, their sermons are fair game. And I'll tell you well, this. 
uh, with all due respect, there's no one that knows the mayor or the city attorney who would believe that they did not know about those subpoenas until yesterday. Okay, and that's not all. One church leader said this, folks. The U.S. creed, I love this, on gay marriage is just like Sharia law. Just as Jews and Christians right now are being fined in countries governed by Muslims for their religion, their beliefs, Jewish and Christian, so all citizens in the United States of America are being required to approve of the gay marriage agenda and sexual practices, or we will be punished by the state. And if you don't think, folks, that they're going to go towards that, you're already starting to see to subpoena sermons. And again, it wasn't just sermons. It was text messages. It was any form of communication with the congregation, anybody. They're going to come to the church. And believe it or not, it's already now a national edict countrywide in Denmark. Listen to this. They recently, quote, won the right to be married in any church they want. The government actually voted to make it mandatory for all churches in that country to conduct gay marriages. Right now, on a countrywide basis. Folks, this is not happening in Spain. By the way, everybody say hello to Rebecca. She's watching from Spain. Hello, Rebecca. This isn't happening in Europe. This is not happening in Australia. This is happening where? In America, United States of America, okay? And folks, that's why I said it's time we get motivated. We better speak up on this subject. We better do it now, okay? But you need to also pay attention to the Bible. You think this is bad? You ain't seen nothing yet. Okay, it's not just about a, a decreasing of liberties and freedom of speech in our own country. It's about a massive, absolutely insane, ungodly behavior that you can't even believe in. It's going to open up Pandora's box. I didn't say that. God did. And here's what he says and warns about. And it's been there for nearly 2,000 years in the book of Romans. Chapter 1, verse 18, 21, 26 through 32. The wrath of God. The what of God? The love of God? The acceptance of God? The mercy? No, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against what? All the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So you don't want to think that there's a God? Now what? Here's what he's going to do. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. And what was the first thing that it started to produce? We saw this last week. Lesbianism and homosexuality. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Okay? Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Listen to this. Oh, but you didn't want to stop there? You didn't want to listen? You didn't want to turn around? Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to what? Now you're going to have a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossips and slanders and what? God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They even invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless. They are faithless. They are heartless and ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve what? Death. They do not only continue to do the very things, but they also approve of those who practice them even to the point where one judge goes above and beyond the will of the people and say, no, you have to do this. Because that's how this is being progressed. I'm not here to say that I'm a master of constitutional law and I, don't have the, uh, and I got the Bill of Rights memorized. I don't think it was all set up in our country, folks, for one man, a judge, 
repeatedly throughout our states to override the will of the people and force them into it. That's not a democracy, and it certainly isn't a republic. Okay? But as you can see, the Bible warns that once you go down this route, once you start accepting, once you reject God, which we've been doing since the 50s and 60s with evolution, the next thing that's going to come into your society is what? Homosexuality, lesbianism, right? It's going to give you over to shameful lust. And if you continue to do that, which we've been doing now for a couple decades since then, what's the next stage? The next stage is you are going to a depraved mind. And it's going to get so bad, it's going to open up Pandora's box. You think it's wicked now? You ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to, and folks, can I tell you something? We've been in stage two for so long, we are now just going into stage three. You think it's bad now? It's going to get more wicked. Our society is going to accept all kinds of immoral things. It's going to blow you away. In fact, it's already begun. Let's take a look at that. As we saw before, all this ongoing redefinition of marriage with same-sex unions is including the idea of what they're now calling non-monogamy, okay, or the acceptance of multiple partners, polygamy, without the stigma of adultery, right? It's the same rationale. Well, if you're going to redefine marriage, it's not just between a man and a woman. It could be man and a man or woman and woman. Well, how about more than one man or more than one woman? That's what they're meaning by this. In fact, states are already passing it. Watch this. Details tonight about a historic court ruling having to do with two volatile subjects, sex and religion. Correspondent Shannon Bream explains. What the opinion means for polygamous families is really something quite transformative. In response to a lawsuit brought by a polygamist reality TV family, a federal judge in Utah has ruled that polygamy will no longer be criminalized in that state, a victory the plaintiff's lead attorney says is no surprise. If you look at the trend of the law, it has been towards greater protection of individual choices to get the government out of homes and bedrooms to prevent the majority from dictating the moral code that everyone must live by. Those who oppose the Supreme Court's recent opinions on sodomy and gay marriage say they're not surprised either that they predicted this very turn of events. Did you hear that? Once you get this redefined, once you crack from the standard, it's going to open up Pandora's box. Right? It's the same rationale, folks. And believe it or not, it's going to get worse, even worse than this, just like God warned. Uh, judge Richard Posner, he's a federal judge with the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, I believe up in the Chicago area. He's also obviously a supporter of the gay marriage movement. He said this, quote, I'm not making this up, please check this out. Perhaps it's time that the government begin issuing rape licenses. Not making it up. Since the right to rape, for some men at least, exceeds the victim's physical and emotional pain. Because it's all about fulfilling self. And I have a right for this. Right? I'm telling you, God warned his folks 2,000 years ago. You slide on this, you're in a heap of trouble. You're going to get a depraved mind. You're going to start inventing ways of doing evil. Rape licenses so they can do it legally because their right to do that supersedes the woman's pain. Can you believe that? Others are now saying that we need to do the same thing to pedophiles, that pedophiles uh, should also have civil rights. I'm not making this up. Margot Kaplan, she's a law professor teaching kids at Rutgers University. Here's a picture of her. A lady said this, quote, people who are sexually attracted to children must hide their disorder from everyone they know or risk losing educational and job opportunities. You know, like back in the day with the homosexuals or whatever, okay? So she says the nation's anti-pedophilia laws are unfair to pedophiles and should be changed. This is what is being taught in our education. You don't think it's coming, folks? 
You need to stick to the Word of God. God said this is going to happen. You slide on this one thing, you ain't seen nothing yet. And another judge in Australia actually said this, pedophilia and incest may no longer be considered taboo. Notice his rationale. Just as gay relationships are now being more accepted than they used to be back in the 50s and 60s. Right? Back in the 50s and 60s, who would ever thought that people would have been promoting across America gay marriage? You think it's crazy for pedophilia and incest? Give it time. That's what a judge is saying. Folks, it's actually, that's a whole other issue. That's actually some of the stuff that is going on too. I had to draw the line somewhere. But here's how bad it's getting, folks. Who would have thought, listen to this, flip all this around. This is happening in our country. Oh, does not your heart grieve? Oh, how the mighty have Oh, is it ever time to witness and share the gospel and love of Jesus Christ? Hello? And I'll say this again, maybe even the people sitting next to you. But how backwards it's become that even non-Christian communist nations, even third world countries, are putting up protective barriers to protect their country from going down the tubes like ours. Listen to this. Russian President Vladimir Putin recently signed into a law a bill banning the propaganda of non-traditional sexual relations to minors. The law is aimed at limiting the rights of the country's gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and intersex people. They've also included multiple bans on gay pride parades, hefty fines to gay rights groups, anyone accused of acting as a foreign agent, promoting this stuff. Nigeria's president also signed into law, uh, law criminalizing homosexuality, prescribing 10 years in prison for those who directly or indirectly make a public show of same-sex relationships, as well as punishing anyone who participates in gay clubs and organizations or even simply supports them. Who in the world would have ever thought that in our country that a communist nation, third world country, would behave more biblically on this issue than us. As it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be at the coming of Son of Man. Folks, if we're going to speak up, we better speak up, and we better speak up now. This is wedge number one. Lord willing, next week we'll get to wedge number two. But this is what Jesus said. When these things begin to take place, what do you do? I know what you do. You run to the hills and you freak out. No, it's time to get motivated. Right? If everybody jumped off the battle lines, it's just going to make it that much more worse, right? We need to occupy. We need to stand up and we need to speak out in love. And then, uh, so hopefully, other people, it's not just a moral issue, it's a salvation issue. So they can be saved and go to heaven with us. Amen? Okay? This is what we need to do as Christians. But if you're here today, you think it's bad now? Jesus said, I'll say it again, He said this seven year tribulation is going to be the worst time in the history of mankind. You think it's evil now? You think, you, you think this stuff. Is, Imagine, imagine every true born-again Christian disappearing from this planet. And they want to pass this stuff. Do you think it's going to take very long then? It's going to be horrible. You don't want to be there. There is a way out, praise God, but there's only one way out. His name is Jesus Christ. If you're not saved, you need to get saved right now before it's too late because you don't want to be at that time of wrath. Amen? Let's pray. Evangelical Christianity historically has not accepted Catholicism as being true Christianity. It used to be when I was a child that the Christian bookstore would have books and literature exposing the Catholic Church, warning you about the Catholic Church. 
Now you go to a Christian bookstore and they have rosary beads, they sell Catholic Bibles, they sell Catholic paraphernalia. What we're seeing is a blurring of the lines between evangelical Christianity and Roman Catholicism. People are being prepared for a one-world religion that unites Catholicism, all denominations of Christianity, in fact, all religions of the world. Those who push for a global religious organization believe that all religions, while different on the surface, are each valid pathways to God. Instead of all these different gods, maybe there's one God who manifests himself and revealed himself in different ways to different people. You know, what about that, huh? Do we all worship the same God, Christian and Muslim? I think we do. Does. We have different routes of getting to the Almighty. Do Christians and non-Christians, do Muslims go to heaven in your mind? Yes, they do. We have different routes of getting there. I think everybody that loves Christ or knows Christ, whether they're conscious of it or not, they're members of the body of Christ. And that's what God is doing today. He's calling people out of the world for his name, whether they come from the Muslim world or the Buddhist world or the Christian world or the non-believing world. They are members of the body of Christ because they've been called by God. They may not even know the name of Jesus, but uh, they know in their heart that they need something that they don't have, and they turn to the only light that they have. And I think that they are saved and that they're going to be with us in heaven. Until I die, I'll proclaim nothing but love for all my brothers and sisters in Christ, my Catholic brothers and sisters, Protestant brothers and sisters, Christian reformers, Lutherans, I don't care what label you are. And you know, Jack, there are so many other Protestant ministers who are doing the same yes. thing as you. Yes. You're comfortable with the Vatican? Oh, I'm very comfortable with the Vatican. I've been to see the Pope several times. They believe in Christ. They believe in the death of Christ on the cross and his resurrection. I feel that I belong to all the churches. I'm equally at home in an Anglican or Baptist church or Brethren Assembly or Roman Catholic church. You know what, we don't all have the same views and I realize Mormonism is not traditional Christianity, but I'm probably a little broader and more open in the fact that when somebody loves Jesus and believes they're the Son of God, that's good for me. Robert McGinnis with the Family Research Council says it appears the hidden agenda is to unite people under one religious organization so they will peacefully accept UN goals such as population control, abortion rights, and one world government. They are all coming together as one under the authority of Lucifer. If I were the devil, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth, I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in 
How to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings... I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious what'll you bet I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich I would caution against extremes in hard work in patriotism in moral conduct I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned that swinging is more fun that what you see on TV is the way to be and thus I could undress you in public and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day. Amen. All righty. Well, how many guys besides John over there? Hi, John. How you doing? I'm trying to make work for last week. But uh, how many guys besides John would realize that we live in a seriously skeptical society today? Have you noticed that? Seems like everybody's always questioning something. Something, is that true? How do you know? And prove it to me and all that stuff, right? Well, for those of you who are still apparently sleeping or whatever, I'm here to help you out. I've been keeping a list, that's right, John, of some things that people are they're kind of wondering about. Is this really true? Okay, let's take a look and see what they have come up with, all right? Is this really true? Let's take a look at these things here. Number one, is it true that a blonde nurse carries around a red magic marker just in case she has to draw blood? Thank you, John. I needed every ounce of laughter on that one. Hey, is it true that the easiest job in the world has to be a coroner? I mean, surgery on dead people. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? If everything went wrong, maybe you get a pulse, right? Could be true. Thank you very much. Hey, is it true that if someone says, I know what I mean, but I just can't put it into words, they really mean they don't know what they mean? I mean, you can that one? You know that one's true. Uh, is it true that if you are on a plane going the speed of sound and you walk from the back of the plane to the front, you'd be walking faster than the speed of sound? Mario, thank you. You got that one. I wondered that myself. Hey, is it true that the definition of mixed emotions is when you see your mother-in-law backing off a cliff in your brand new car? Uh, okay. Let's move on uh, to the next one. Hey, is it true that a bicycle can't stand on its own because it's too tired? I had to throw an easy one for you, right? I had you, I thought, okay, at least everybody gets that one. All right, hey, is it true that a science graduate asked the question, why does it work? 
The engineering graduate asks, how does it work? The accounting graduate asks, how much does it cost? And the liberal arts graduate asks, would you like fries with that? <laughs> okay, that could be very well true. Hey, is it true that nobody knows how many men it takes to change the toilet paper roll because it's never been done? Okay, ladies, that's your time to shine. Hello, I'm here for you. All right, let's move on. Hey, is it true that the reason why seagulls fly over the sea is because if they flew over the bay, they'd be bagels? Right? <laughs> and that's not cream cheese. Let's just move on. All right. Hey, is it true if you love something, you should set it free? And if it comes back to you, it was and always will be yours. And if it never returns, it was never yours to begin with, right? But, however, if it just sits in your living room, messes up your stuff, eats your food, uses your telephone, takes your money, never appears to have noticed that you actually set it free in the first place, you either married it or you gave birth to it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That very well could be true, but uh, I'm not going to ask if that last one was true. I think it's self-evident, but anyway, that's right. But uh, how many guys would say, there are people today that just wonder about stuff. They always question stuff. Is that true? How do you know? Whatever. Okay. And folks, this morning, I hope there's one thing you never question, nor wonder is true, and that's this statement from God in the Bible. Uh, he judges planet once. He's going to judge it again real soon, and you better get saved before it's too late. Okay, I hope you never question that, and the reason why is because the Bible is clear. You are running the risk of being left behind, and you will be catapulted into the seven-year tribulation, and that is not a joke. It is an outpouring of God's wrath on this wicked and rebellious planet. Jesus said it's going to be the worst time in the history of mankind, never to be repeated again, and that unless God shortened that time frame, limited it to just seven years, the entire human race gone, be destroyed, okay? But praise God, God's not just a God of wrath. He's a God of love as well, and because he loves you and I, he gives us so many warning signs to let us know when it's getting close. Anybody glad about that? Hello, so we don't get caught off guard. So in order to keep you and I here at Sunrise from experiencing the ultimate bad day of being left behind, even worse than giving birth to something, and apparently it never leaves the house, uh, we're going to continue in our study, the final countdown update. Now, how many guys every week wait for that? Ready? You like that? You like that? You don't have any idea how long it took me to figure that out the first time. I like it. But anyway, so far we've already seen uh, several updates. The first eight so far, the final countdown say the Jewish people, the Antichrist, modern technology, worldwide people, the rise of falsehood, the rise of wickedness, the rise of apostasy, and last time if you were here, the rise of a one world religion. Now what we clearly saw is that the Bible clearly tells us that when you see all the world's religions on the planet coming together as one, which is happening right now today, okay, including the elimination of those who won't go along with the program. And that's what we saw is already starting to happen today as well, okay? That the Antichrist is going to use some excuses to start getting rid of Christians, specifically followers of Jesus Christ, away and out of the way for this one world religion. Now, we saw last week, if you were here, one of the excuses is the homosexual movement. And that has become the ultimate excuse to have a hate crime issue, where now, if you disagree on this moral issue, okay, you are being labeled as a hater, and you're committing a hate crime, and you're guilty of hate speech, listen, it's one thing to just disagree or even say that, but now what's coming with that label is you need to not just be fined, you need to be jailed and taken away, even here in America. Why? Because this is their tactic. I believe the Antichrist tactic. you got a problem. What are you going to do with the resistors, the people who won't go along with your own religion? You have to find some excuse to start hauling them away. This is one of the excuses. And what they're doing is they're replacing the true you and I evangelical Christian with the fake phony Christians who will go along with this and the one world religion. The old switcheroo. We are being replaced and eradicated, true Christianity, at the same time. But that's not all. The second excuse I believe the Antichrist is using to get rid of any and all dissenters who will not go along with this last day's one world religion is what's called the ecumenical movement. Last week we saw the moral issue, the homosexual issue, 
This week it's the spiritual issue, the ecumenical movement. Now, ecumenicalism basically is kind of the uh, popular phrase today, pluralism, or in other words, all paths lead to heaven, right? How many of you guys heard that? Yeah, that's kind of the ecumenical mindset. Now, ecumenicalism is defined as the organized attempt to bring about the cooperation of the unity of all believers. Doesn't that sound great? And see, that's a seduction, right? And the Bible does talk about, as Christians, all believers, that there should be great unity, right? But see, this is not what they're telling you, folks. What they mean by all believers is anybody. I mean anybody, even outside of Christ, even whether they're not Christians or not, no matter what they believe, even if they don't even believe in Jesus Christ, that's their version of all believers need to come together as one, okay? And so their unity in this ecumenical movement is not being based on truth, biblical truth, i.e. the Bible, but from a watered-down version of it, trying to squeeze it all in together, okay? But the Bible clearly tells you and I, the true evangelical born-again Christian, we are not to join hands with somebody who is preaching a watered-down version of God's truth. Why? Because it's called a lie, and God doesn't lie. And we're supposed to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, getting his truth out there. The truth shall set you free, not a lie. And so God has specific instructions of how are you supposed to treat the people around you who are preaching a different way to heaven. Okay, and let's get reminded with that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is our opening text. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you find 1 Corinthians, what do you do? Yeah, I remember, do something, you'll get there. That's right. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and as we take a look at the context there, and uh, if it'll help you, it's on page uh, 1021 of my Bible. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 17. Now, the reason why we need to understand this, as you turn there, I'm buying you some time, helping you out, uh, is, is, thank you, you're welcome, Joey. I'm here for you. Okay, is, uh, as we saw last week, the church is sliding on the issue when it deals with sexually immoral people who profess to be Christians. How are we supposed to treat those? We're not advocating violence or hate or any of that stuff, but how are you supposed to treat them? And so we need to remind ourselves as the church how we're supposed to respond to that situation. That was last week. The same thing when it comes to this ecumenical movement. We need to remind ourselves as Christians how we're supposed to respond to those who are preaching a lie, who are preaching the wrong way to heaven. Now, of course, we witness to them, but it's a whole different ballgame when you're talking about coming together in unity. I didn't say it, God did. Now, that's the context. Let's read what Paul says to you and I. He says, first of all, do not be what? Yoked together with unbelievers. Of course we witness to them, but yoked, whole different concept going on here. And a lot of us use this passage when we're talking about people who are getting married as Christians. You don't want to marry a non-Christian. This oil and water doesn't mix. And that is applicable to this passage. But he's just talking in general, okay, primarily. Don't be unequally, don't be yoked with unbelievers. Why? Here's the rationale. Because what in the world does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Hey, listen, we are the temple of God, okay, of the living God. As God said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. We're his people. So we are to emulate him as his temple, right? And what he says, etc. And he says there, therefore, come out from them. Who's them? The unbeliever and be ye what? Separate says who? The Lord. Touch no unclean thing. And what's God say? I will receive you. Okay. 
So according to our text, the Bible says when it comes to unbelievers, i.e. non-Christians, what is the appropriate Christian response? Yes, of course, we hang out with them for the purposes of witnessing to them, right? Of course. I mean, that would be contradictory to a lot of the scripture. We're supposed to go out into all the world and share the gospel, right? So of course we hang out with them, okay? And we love them enough to tell them the truth that listen, your road is the wrong road. There's only one right way. It's only through Jesus Christ. Why? Because we love them. We don't want them to go on the wrong road because where does the wrong road lead to? Hell, okay? How many guys, if you were on a wrong road that was headed to eternal damnation called hell, that you wish they would at least say something? So this is not a hateful thing that we do. This is the greatest act of love we could do. Okay, now let's remind ourselves, I'm not the one saying this. Jesus is. Who is saying that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Therefore, all other ways are wrong and lead to hell. I didn't say it, Jesus did. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. Notice not a way that you can pick or a truth, whatever you want to believe. It doesn't matter. They all end up in the same place. No, or the life. It's not a life. It's the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Who's that? Jesus. So yes, we hang out with the lost, with the unbeliever. Yes, we love them enough to tell them the truth that what you believe is wrong and there's eternal horrible consequences. You need to turn to Jesus and go to heaven. He's the only way. But Paul says here, but there's, there's a difference here. The last thing, it's one thing to witness, but the last thing you and I as Christians would ever want to do is to be yoked with them. Now, that's a totally different word. We're not talking about witnessing. Yoked there in the Greek literally means to be bound together with, okay? To have fellowship with. The idea is to have intimacy with these folks. And so why would Paul say don't have intimacy with these folks? Okay, witness, yes, but intimacy, yoking, well, because I think it's obvious, folks. It's like oil and water. It will never mix. I don't care how much you try to stir it up. You cannot mix a lie with God's holy truth. And this is serious stuff. Why would you even want to go there and play with that? This is eternal. It's not like, well, you're just one of those beef promoters. I still eat evil. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. And we're not talking about just that. We're talking about serious. This is eternity on the line. You get heaven wrong, where are you going? You're going to hell. Okay, this is serious stuff. And that's why God wants us, if we're out there preaching, make sure you're preaching the truth. There's only one way to get there. And that's Paul's argument in the context. He says, hello. What, what, what do, do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What, what, what fellowship can light have with darkness? These people are preaching a false way to heaven. What are you doing? Okay, what, what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Let me translate it for you in the reality of this pluralistic idea today. That we all just got to get along with everybody. How can we get along with those who believe that we ourselves are God? Or that we will burn in a mythical place called purgatory where we purge our own sins in order to get to heaven, which is denying the cross of Christ. How can we join hands with those who would have you and I believe that sin is just an illusion? Hell is only make-believe. And that heaven for some men will be to endlessly satisfy their lusts with as many virgins as they want, which only happens after they kill a bunch of people who disagree with them. Supposed to join hands with those guys? How can we have unity with those claiming to be Christians, yet say we have to keep the sacraments in order to be saved? Or that Satan doesn't exist? Or that Christ's work on the cross is not secure? How can we have fellowship with those who would have you and I believe that Jesus is not God, but the archangel Michael, or worse yet, he's the spirit brother of Satan? 
witness to them, yes, but how can we have intimacy with them? How can we bind ourselves together with these people and work together and get along? Read the scripture. God says, are you kidding me? Witness, yes, but you better listen when it comes to eternal matters, when it comes to the truth. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Why? Because all those paths lead to hell. And God wants us to be in love, preaching the truth. Now, I said all that to get to this, according to the Bible. Just like with last week, we need to get reminded, how are we supposed to treat those who come into the church who are completely guilty of sexual immorality and who do not want to change, have no intention on change? Yes, we love them, but we don't put up with it. There's a certain standard if you're going to claim to be a Christian. It's the same thing with this ecumenical movement. Yes, of course, we witness to these people, but we don't sit there and join hands with them. We don't yoke ourselves with them. Which means true born-again Christians cannot ever go along with this one world religion lie that all paths lead to heaven. Why? Because you just linked yourself with an entity that just called Jesus Christ a liar. How many guys would say it's probably not a good thing to do? Okay, and you just threw in your time, your treasure, your talents, your tongue, your existence here on earth with people who are leading people to hell. That's not what God wants, okay? And yet this is exactly what this ecumenical movement is doing, okay? Now, you might think, well, that's an interesting thing. That's wild. The Bible says all religions are going to come together as one in the last days, but that's a long ways away, surely, right, Tom? Wrong answer. That's right, Tom, wrong answer. I want to show you today just how far it's progressed, not just in Europe, but here in America. Even in the highest places, they're even building the facilities. Let's take a look at how far this idea that all religions can be merged into one has gone. In Berlin, they've now created what's called the House of One, as we sit here, at a cost of $60 million for Christians, Muslims, and Jews to what? Pray under one roof. This guy is supposed to be the Christian representative over there. Pastor Gregor Holberg says, from the beginning, we wanted it to be an interreligious project. Now, we saw before, anytime you see interfaith, interfaithism, multi-faith, interfaith, supplant it for what it is. When you see that in print, in the media, wherever, it means one world religion. Interreligious project, not a place built by Christians in which the Jews and Muslims would then be added, no, but for all three religions to have equal prayer space on the same floor, with each floor leading to a common room where the different religions would be able to converse with each other. Here's their promo video. Check this out. We have inherited a large house, a great world house, said Martin Luther King. We all inhabit this world house, our earth. We see that the world is growing together and that we have to learn to live with each other. Increasingly, religions are colliding as strangers, as friends, often also as rivals or enemies. For this reason, Jews, Christians and Muslims have come together in Berlin to dare to attempt something new. We want to build a completely new sacred building, a synagogue, a church and a mosque under the same roof and at its center a meeting place. The House of One. It shall be located in the heart of Berlin, in the place where the city was founded 800 years ago. It shall be a unique, peaceful place for encounters, meetings, and exchanges between people from different religions, and also for those who are removed from religion. Everyone is invited to come. Every interest, every question, every support is welcome. With every peaceful dialogue and every good wish, the cloud of blessing will grow. One earth, one mankind, one home, the house of one. Isn't that wild? 
2,000 years ago, the Apostle John saying, hey, they're all going to come together and the high Antichrist is going to hijack it. Then he's going to go into the temple. I'll win the seven-year tribulation. Say, I'm gone. Worship me. They're building the facilities for it as we sit here. Okay, but that's not what they're doing is they're starting with the youth. And they're coming into the church to this outfit called the World Council of Churches. Now, just because it has the word church in it doesn't make it Christian. Hello. This is a big sewer pit with all due respect. And they're sucking the church in to go along with this one world religion. But they are doing these groups around the world, and it's all centered around global warming, which is a lie. Okay? But here's what they're doing. Uh, the World Council of Churches with the Christian, Muslim, Jewish youths have formed multi, and this is what they're doing all over the world right now, forming multi-faith communities to, quote, protect the earth. Because that's an issue that's a concern for all faiths. I'll give you a couple of examples. This guy on the left there, Tariq Abdul Akbar, he's a 21-year-old Muslim, said, people of all faiths must put aside their religious differences and come together to raise awareness about what? Climate change. That affects all people. So we need to get the world's religions to help that. Mark Edwards, he's the guy on the right who's supposed to be the Christian representative from Sri Lanka. He said, the responsibility to respect creation is common to what? All faiths. Earth is a gift to us all, and we are responsible for its well-being. And then the girl in the middle there, she's a Jewish woman, said, living in a multi-faith community is an eye-opener. Our visit to a synagogue, a church, and a mosque in Switzerland moved me so much that, quote, I realize we all believe in God and we're all part of humanity. See, that's what it's become generalized to. Like, how many times do you meet somebody, oh, I believe in God. Doesn't mean you're saved. The demons believe in God, James chapter 2, and they shudder. They're not going to heaven. There's much more than it means than to just believe on Jesus Christ. It's not like he's a historical figure. It's to believe on his work on the cross, that his work on the cross is sufficient payment for all of our sins, etc., etc. But it's also coming here to America. You think, well, that's just over in Europe. Uh-uh. This blew me away. Listen to this. They got right here in America, in Omaha, Nebraska, of all places, it's called the Tri-Faith Initiative. It's combining Christians, Jews, and Muslims into, here's your word, interfaith dialogue, as well as an interfaith facility. This is in the United States. There's an overlay of it. It's a multi-million dollar effort to bring all three religions onto a 35-acre campus. That's it right over there, overlaid on an actual map. That thing is huge. But all three religions are going to be gathered together on this campus. The city religious leaders say, quote, we want to form a relationship between all Jews, all Muslims, and all Christians. It's an opportunity not only to learn to tolerate different faiths, but to find ways to celebrate all we have in common and join with those who call God by different names. What did Paul say to do? Yes, witness to these people, but what do you not do? You don't do this. Excuse me? I don't think so, but it's happening right now. Uh, but that's right, just in case you don't live anywhere near Berlin or Omaha, again, they're starting with the youth, and this generation coming up, which is almost in power, this is all they've ever known. And in school, in high school in uh, Colorado, kids right now in Colorado are being encouraged to recite a pledge in Arabic stating one nation under Allah. Check it out, it's happening right now. In New York, kids are now observing Muslim New Year holidays and possibly soon the Hindu festival Diwali in New York. In California, school kids are now bowing down to the sun god as a part of, quote, liturgical ritual religious practices aimed at having them become one with God through yoga. You know what's ironic? Our text there says, do not be yoked with unbelievers, right? As we saw before, the word yoga in Hindu means to be yoked. Yoked. And when you practice yoga and go into these uh, uh, physical exercises, there are actually ways to get into an altered state of consciousness to yoke you with the Hindu deity. And now it's being taught in school. Absolutely crazy. The founder, this lady, 
uh, says she wants to, quote, spread the gospel of Ashtanga yoga through the country and even internationally, and yet she's able to do it in the schools. I thought you weren't supposed to have religion in the schools. And that's exactly it, Tom. What that phrase means, folks, when they say keep religion out, it's keeping evangelical, biblical Christianity out. The fake, phony Christian stuff, who goes along with this stuff, oh yeah. But it really means just keep Christianity out. It's also in our government. Recently, the Dalai Lama was allowed to open Senate meetings with a prayer. Senators bowed their heads in prayer as Dalai Lama prayed, quote, with our thoughts, we make our world. No, you don't. You're not God. Only God uh, can do that. And speaking of Congress, an interfaith school for military chaplains has been dedicated. Priests, rabbis, imams, and Protestant ministers came together to de dedicate themselves and the nation's first joint military multi-faith educational center. And if that wasn't enough, our president apparently continues to go around the country and around the world stating that we are no longer a Christian nation. Let's take a look at that. And moreover, given the increasing diversity of America's populations, the dangers of sectarianism are greater than ever. Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation, at least not just. We are also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, and a Buddhist nation, and a Hindu nation, and a nation of non-believers. I'm going to play this little clip, James. This is what the president said earlier today in Turkey, uh, a Muslim country, a NATO ally. You know, I've said before uh, that one of the great strengths of the United States is, uh, although as I mentioned, uh, you know, we have a very large Christian population, we do not consider ourselves a Christian nation or a Jewish nation or a Muslim nation. Uh, we consider ourselves uh, a nation of citizens who are uh, bound by ideals and a set of values. And even if we did have only Christians in our midst, if we expelled every non-Christian from the United States of America, whose Christianity would we teach in the schools? Would it be James Dobson's or Al Sharpton's? Which passages of scripture should guide our public policy. Should we go with uh, Leviticus, which uh, suggests slavery is okay, and that eating uh, shellfish is an abomination? Or we could go uh, with uh, Deuteronomy, which suggests stoning your child if he strays from the faith? Or should we just stick to the Sermon on the Mount, a passage that is so radical that it's doubtful that our own Defense Department would survive its application. We... It's called mocking the scriptures what that is. So if we were now going around all over the place, uh, with all due respect, reducing us to just now a nation of citizens who follow a group of ideals, based on that, I would say the Christian ideals are not the ideals you're going to promote. Right? And that's why one guy said this. He said, with comments like this, is it now any wonder that we now have schools in America teaching our kids the Muslim religion? Here's a sampling of what is now being allowed in school. Remember, can't teach evangelical biblical Christianity, but here's what our kids are being taught right now in schools across America. They are learning to become a Muslim. They are fasting for Ramadan. This is in schools. They are learning all about Ramadan. They are learning the five pillars of Islam they are memorizing verses of the Quran. You can't bring a Bible to school. You can't mention the name of Jesus. You can't even say, God bless you, but you can memorize verses from the Quran? What is going on, folks? They're also in school learning to adopt a Muslim name 
And they are learning to stage a jihad war against non-Muslims. That's not what I would send my kid to school for. Why is that being allowed, folks? Okay, as one guy said, apparently the president has overlooked his Christian obligation and duty that he swore in public office to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America with his hand on the Christian Bible that states, you shall have no other gods before me. But now we've just become a nation of citizens who follow ideals. See, that's the problem. You get away from the foundation... Who makes up the ideal? And that's where we're at. Okay? But folks, you start to look at all this, and that's just a little teaser. I would say it really appears to me that right now, even at the highest of places, uh, places, it's being encouraged right now for all religions to be merged and squished together into one right before our very eyes. That was prophesied, folks, 2,000 years ago. Now, here's the problem. Here's the rub. As we saw earlier, if you follow the Scripture, as you should as a true born-again Christian, what is one thing we can never go along with? This. Right? So now you got a problem. What are you going to do with these resistors? Well, it's just like we saw last week. you got your second excuse now with public approval to start hauling these people away. We're in stage two, and now they're starting to call you and I who would have the audacity, they say, to be so exclusive. Who are you thinking that your way is the only way? Have you heard that? I didn't make it up. That's Jesus. He said it. Right? And I don't recommend you call him a religious bigot, by the way. But I didn't make it up. He said it, okay? But now they're saying, you and I, we not only have the audacity to disagree on this behavioral issue, as we saw last week, but we have the audacity to disagree on this spiritual issue. Who makes you think that you have the corner on the truth? Blah, blah, blah. And now we're being called the bad guy. We're being called the same terminology that they've been saying to the Muslim terrorists that everybody says, yeah, get rid of those people, annihilate them, get rid of them. Right-wing fundamentalist extremists. That word, those words that were used on the Muslim terrorists are being used on you and I, the evangelical Christian now. Now, it's the excuse, I believe, that is going to prepare the way for the Antichrist to have another slaughter. And the Bible says, clearly, during the seven-year tribulation, that those who are followers of God, who get saved after the rapture, they're going to be slaughtered because they won't go along with this one world religion. This is what Revelation chapter 6 says, verse 9 through 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of what? The word of God wouldn't budge from the Bible. Okay, and the testimony they had maintained. Jesus is the only way. So what happened? They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our what? Blood. Then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. Okay? So this is a, an event that takes place during the first half of the seven-year tribulation. This is when this is going on. And it would appear to me that those who get saved after the rapture, unfortunately, what's the lesson? You should have got saved before. But you can still get saved. The gospel still goes forth. We talked about that last week, okay? But it's not going to be a good time. You're not going to have the religious freedom that we have today. And to me, the words there, being slain, killed, and your blood being avenged for following God, kind of give it away, okay, is what's going on there, okay? And, and, and again, you should have gotten saved before, but now you're going to pay with it for a price. There's actually going to come a time when the Antichrist kingdom, when these people during the seven-year tribulation, because you have the audacity to disagree with their global religion, they're going to hunt you down, and they're going to exterminate you, literally till it's like a bloodbath. How will God avenge our blood? That's not a fun time, right? So the question for you and I is, 
How close are we getting to this stage two? Right now we're at stage one. We're being called haters. Wait a second. Are you serious? Are you serious? You mean to tell me that if I disagree now with another religion, if I, have, if I say that your path does not lead uh, to heaven but sends people to hell, I'm a hater now? Yeah, it's already happening. Just like we saw last week. Disagreeing with the one world religion is now also a hate crime. Let's take a look at that. The row over a pastor's comments about Muslims just keeps on growing. James McConnell was strongly criticized for saying he does not trust Muslims. But the First Minister, Peter Robinson, has now defended him. Now, people say there are good Muslims in Britain. That may be so. But I don't trust them. Enoch Powell was right. And he lost his career because of it. Enoch Powell was a prophet. And he told us that blood would flow in the streets. And it has happened. Islam is heathen. Islam is satanic. Islam is a doctrine spawned in hell. Well, Khalid uh, Anis, you've come all the way over um, this evening um, from across the water. What's your reaction to what the First Minister has said? Um, I think it's disgraceful, quite honestly. I think it's shocking that um, somebody in a position of leadership in a position of influence, somebody that everybody in Northern Ireland and I would imagine in the mainland looks up to for guidance, for leadership, can utter a statement which is full of hate. So if I speak up in love and I declare God's word that says Jesus is the only way to heaven, all other ways are false, and they lead to hell. It's what? A message of hate. These, I believe, are the two excuses. Last week, it was the moral issue, the homosexual issue. It's a hate crime. Get rid of them. This week, it's a spiritual issue. This pluralism, all paths lead to heaven. If you dare disagree, who, who, what audacity you have to say your way is the only way. You're a hater. And they're going to use this also as the double excuse to now start getting rid of you and I. Now, I want to show you just how far we're already into that second stage. They're not already calling us haters, but now they're wanting to exterminate those who do not go along with this program. Let's take a look at how bad it's getting out there. Uh, first of all, right now, there's over 250 million Christians right now worldwide under the threat of persecution. Right now, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are being beaten, tortured, and imprisoned, and murdered. Why? Because they will not go along with the ecumenical movement that is promoting this one world religion. In fact, in one year alone, 310,000 Christians were slaughtered. Why didn't that make the news? Okay? Unless, of course, you want to get rid of them. And more Christians have died for their faith in the last century alone than the previous 19 centuries combined. It's coming back, just like Jesus warned about. Let's take a look. North Korea right now is the worst country on the planet to be a Christian because being a Christian is a behavior that is punishable by death or life in prison. There's an estimated 70,000 Christians in prison camps there, just like the Jews in Nazi Germany. It's being repeated on Christians today. And it's, listen, it's not just a sentence for the individual believer. Listen, you're a Christian over there, you get punished for three generations of your family. That's your parents, their children, and their grandchildren. In fact, last year, North Korea passed a law that says even possessing a Bible is punishable by death. It's going on right now. In Syria, they're using the current war as an excuse to get rid of Christians in the country. 
annihilates genocide. There's forced conversions or killings by those who do not convert to Islam. 41 of the top 50 countries persecuting our brothers and sisters in Christ right now are Muslim. And you're teaching them how to be a Muslim in our schools? How about stick to math? Okay? Thousands of Christians right now are being slaughtered for their faith in India, Burma, Nigeria, Afghanistan, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Belar, Sudan, on and on it goes. I don't have time to list all the countries. In fact, Christians are being persecuted right now so bad their assailants, listen, are killing them, draining their blood, selling the blood for profit to get more weapons or a quick fix to get entrance into heaven. Don't believe me? Watch this. Okay, now, these reports about seeing the blood being sold. Tell me about that. You said, you, you, what, what is that about? Okay, uh, I'm, since 2005, I hear about the, the, the persecution of the Christian in the Middle East because I'm by self-refugee. I know what is persecution. What you do with the Christian is okay, it's halal. You can rape the girls, you can rob the, the fruits, you can uh, kill them. It's everything there is for them allowed to do with the Christian. And this blood, they are selling them. How I come to know that they are selling them? The relative, they didn't tell me they sell the blood, but I was not known from this case. I know that from my own home, how I was child, the Muslim was talking, if we kill one Christian and wash our hand with his blood, we will go to the heaven. This, this hand, which one are with the blood of the Christians washed, they will be like torch, show the way to go to heaven. They believe in that, that I know that. What are you doing with this blood, which one you are collecting with these cans? And he said, oh sister, that is a big business. What? Business with the blood? Because I was hearing, but I was not known they sell the blood. Yeah, so small bottle, we are sending for our, are sending for our friends, something in Saudi Arabia, which one they don't have. They cannot kill now, or nobody is there to kill them, to bring offer to our Allah. Uh, each small bottle, it costs $100,000. We make big business, so that we can buy more guns and other things. Now, folks, that's not only sick, but if you understand Bible prophecy, very interesting behavior there, selling Christian blood. The Bible says specifically the one world religion harlot in the last days of all things to mention there 2,000 years ago, this one world religion is going to be drunk with the blood of the saints. This is what we see in Revelation 17, verse 6. I saw that the woman, the one world religion harlot, Babylon, was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who what? Specifically who what? Bore the testimony to Jesus. And when I saw her, I was greatly astonished. And I'm greatly astonished today. How about you? That this is actually going on, hello, in our world. That's during the seven-year tribulation. And apparently that's why this new research uh, center uh, shared this, quote, Christians and Christianity are now the most persecuted religion on the planet. Quote, a Christian is killed right now as we sit here every 11 minutes. That Christian persecution is, quote, turning into Christian extinction. And, quote, it's the biggest story in the world that has never been told. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but uh, maybe this kid, I'm about to share a picture of you, Will. This is a proposed picture from a kid in Syria who died over there, okay? And reportedly, this picture was taken just before he died, and before he died, here's what he said. I'm going to tell God everything. And the text in Revelation says, Oh God, how long, sovereign, holy, and true, before you avenge our blood, of what they are doing to your people. 
okay? And it's coming to America. One evangelist said, listen, hey, the fate of Christianity in the U.S. is not far from what's already happening to Christianity in Europe. He cites the reason why. Number one, the church over here in America is sleeping and dying out. Number two, homosexuals are stamping out Christianity in the Bible. That's what happened over there. It's already here. Atheism is not being hated, just denounced. Oh, you're just wrong. And give no evidence for that. Hello, that doesn't help. Okay? People need to be reached, which also leads to the role of apologetics as being downplayed to reach the skeptics. Why do you think we're doing our studies on Wednesday night? We need to get equipped to not just say your way is the wrong way. In love, here's why. Because we're not given those answers. It makes us look like we're a bunch of intolerant bigots. Okay? And he said, because the people continue to think it could never happen here in the U.S. That's why it's progressing. And it's already begun. I don't have time to give you the whole story, but here's just headlines, recent headlines. Christian songs are being disqualified from the Oscars simply because they're Christians. Hollywood's portraying you and I Christians as dangerous terrorists in the movies. Bibles are being banned right now in America from hotels. Home Bible studies are being declared illegal. The IRS is targeting conservative Christian groups. Amazon and PayPal are being pushed to blacklist conservative Christian websites. You can't buy and sell. Never heard that before. Uh, continues on. Police are investigating a church that had a poster. There was their church sign out front, I believe, that said non-believers would burn in hell. It was turned in by a guy driving by as a what? Hate incident. Police went there to investigate. Uh, troops are being banned from attending vacation Bible school. Teachers are telling students Jesus is not allowed in school. Colleges are rejecting applications from Christians because of their faith. Uh, schools are banning Christian clubs. And listen, schools are banning books from Christian authors. Now, wait a second. If you know your history, that's pretty creepy because that's exactly what Adolf Hitler did with the Jewish people. In fact, let me give you a little history lesson. Here is in chronological order how he pulled off his final solution to the Jewish people. First, he started with public burning of books by Jews. They're doing that in schools right now to Christians. Right? Then he had random attacks on Jews and Jewish property. That's starting to take place. People starting to desecrate Christian churches. Polices and courts no longer protect the Jews. Our rights are going out the window, are they not? Uh, boycotts of Jewish shops. Boycotting Chick-fil-A recently, anybody heard of that? All this is happening to us. Supplant the word Jewish to Christian, and this is what's going on in our country. Jewish uh, practices were banned. Jewish students excluded from exams in medicine, dentistry, pharmacy, and law. They're already being banned from schools because they're Christians in America. The Jews were excluded from military service. The laws were denied to Jews, their basic civil rights. Jews were no longer allowed to vote, and they lost their citizenship in Germany. Jews banned from parks, restaurants, and swimming pools. Remember last week, Nanaimo in Canada? They voted to ban Christians from public places. Even this is already happening, folks. Jews banned from communication devices and transportation. They were given special identity cards. Uh, the Jews were then arrested, and then all schools were closed to Jewish ch uh, children, and then they were sent off to the death camp. You supplant that word, Jewish people, with evangelical, biblical Christianity, and it's the same path here in our country, which is why one guy said this, it's coming here fast, and you better get ready. Let's take a look. The church in America is going to suffer so terribly. And we laugh now, but they will come after us. And they will come after our children. They will close the net around us while we are playing soccer mom and soccer dad. While we are arguing over so many little things and mesmerized by so many trinkets. The net even now is closing around you and your children and your grandchildren and it does not cause you to fear. You will be isolated from society as has already happened. 
Anyone who tries to run for office who actually believes the Bible will be considered a lunatic until finally we are silenced. We will be called things that we're not and persecuted not for being followers of Christ but for being radical fundamentalists who do not know the true way of Christ which of course is love and tolerance. You'll go down as the greatest bigots and haters of mankind in history. They've already come after your children and for most of you they got them. They got them through the public schools and indoctrination in the university and indoctrination and then you wonder why your children come out not serving the Lord. It's because you fed them right into the devil's mouth. So little by little the net is closing around and then it's not little by little. Look how fast things are going downhill just in a matter of weeks. Matter of weeks. But at the same time, know this. Persecution is always meant for evil, but God always means it for good. And is it not better to suffer in this life to have an extra weight of glory in heaven? You must settle this in your mind. This is the one thing I want to say over and over. Do not believe. Down through history, you have a wrong idea of martyrdom and persecution. You think that these men were persecuted and martyred for their sincere faith in Jesus Christ. That was the real reason, but no one heard that publicly. They were martyred and they were persecuted as enemies of the state, as child molesters, as bigots as narrow-minded, stupid people who had fallen for a ruse and can contribute nothing to society. Your suffering will not be noble. So your mind must be filled with the Word of God when all people persecute you and turn on you. And if the Spirit of God in common grace pulls back and you see even your children and your grandchildren tossing in the lot that you should die. This is no game. You want revival and awakening, but know this. For the most part, great awakenings have come only preceding great national catastrophes or the persecution of the church. I believe God is bringing a great awakening, but I believe that He is raising up young men who are strong in trust in the providence of God to be able to wade through the hell that's going to break loose on us. And it will be on us before we even recognize it. Unless, unless in God's providence, He is not done. He is not done. Now note, this is, this is not silly talk. Apart from a great awakening, these things are going to come upon you. Be ready to lose your homes, your cars, and everything. Sounds like we need to be speaking up where we have the freedom. Sounds like we need to start taking this pretty serious and doing the best we can with what time we have. I was trained in seminary, Dr. Malkow. Apostasy's coming, he'd always say. Me personally, I'm going down with one arm swinging and the Bible in the air. Folks, we need to speak up. And I'll quote what he said. This is not silly talk. This is happening to us, the Christians, in the last day. So what we need to do today, we need to take all this information, run out of here screaming like little girls, and lock our doors. 
Thank you. Wrong answer. Are you kidding me? Frame this baby, man. Right? Jesus said when these things begin to take place, what's the good news? <laughs> we're going home, man. This is getting close. Everything's happening. The one world religion is being built before our very eyes, even here in America. And they're specifically going after those who won't budge from the truth that Jesus is the only way. He's coming back. And so as we wait for his return to come get us and rescue us from the seven-year tribulation, let's get busy. Keep telling people about Jesus. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's going to get harder. But this is the last time that we need to shrink back in fear. I'll use this term. It's not a time to go AWOL. We're soldiers for Jesus Christ. We're the winners. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he expects us to hold the line and tell the truth. That's our response. But if you're here today, man, this ain't a joke. This one more religion, it's a lie. Jesus Christ, you just saw it. If you were here with your own eyes, he's the only way to heaven. Oh, that other stuff, it feels good, sounds nice, tickles your ears, but it leads you straight to hell. I'm not saying that we, the church, are going to get out of here. I don't know God's time frame without facing genuine persecution even here in America. I don't know that. But praise God, the scripture is clear. We are not appointed unto his wrath. We can be rescued from that. You can be rescued from that. But it calls upon, calling upon Jesus Christ, asking him to forgive your sin, trusting his work on the cross, not your own. That's the only way to heaven. Amen? Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven, and that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness, or the wrong things that we have done, have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin, or unholiness, uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy, we're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay? Well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay, and folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. 
And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the heart, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a of death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it. If he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go 
to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Safeway offers grocery delivery right to your front door or even into your kitchen. You can order everything from fresh produce to milk and eggs to bulk items like bottled water. All your weekly grocery shopping needs, even your pet's food too. Enjoy free delivery on your first order. It's easy. And with one-hour delivery windows, you get your groceries when it's most convenient for you. Just go to Safeway.com, click on the grocery delivery tab, or download the Safeway grocery delivery app and get your groceries delivered. Safeway. It's just better. Traveling home for the holidays? Well, with the Capital One Venture Card, you earn unlimited double miles on any purchase you make today and every day. And those miles add up to get you closer to that trip home. Every time you pump gas, double miles. Every time you get your nails done, double miles. Or if you're in charge of buying the turkey, yep, double miles. You earn unlimited double miles on every purchase, and then you go. The Capital One Venture Card, the card that takes you there. What's in your wallet? Capital One Bank USANA. With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com.